Good evening, everyone. We bless the Lord for blessing us again to come together in unity of the Spirit. We may not be together physically, but we are together in unity of the Spirit. What does the Spirit has to say today? We come with open ears and open hearts to receive what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. So we'll begin again in our series in the book of James. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. That's James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. And please, grab your Bibles. Don't allow me to read alone, but grab your Bibles and get in that word together with me. Don't ever take the preachers, the teachers, or whoever's word for it. But you have to get in the word of God for yourself. Search out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. This is your responsibility, my brothers and sisters. So if you would turn to the book of James, chapter 3, reading 13 through 18. Short verses today, but it's very good. It's, It's a lot of knowledge that comes with these verses we can appreciate James for it. I will be reading from the New American Standard Bible. And it reads just like this. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, with out hypocrisy and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace we bless the lord for that reading and just for a thought today we're going to look and see what does the wise what it look like to be wise to have wisdom of from above and to be unwise, or we can say to have wisdom of this world. What it looks like to be wise and unwise. And we're going to follow, I'm going to be following very closely to um, the um, scriptures reading and the book from Swindoll. Swindoll's commentary on the book of James. I'm going to follow real close to the, his, his teaching today because he is, is, is on point, is, is, is right exactly on point to what we need. And it brings out so much understanding that I really want to follow close to um, what it's saying. So let's look at the first verse again. First verse reads, who among you is wise and understanding? One thing that James points out right off 
in this verse 13, he's asking a question. He starts right off with a question. He is saying, who among you is wise and understanding? And remember, he's talking to a group of people, and, and this, this entails you and me. But he's really not asking this question to get a response as one that would raise their hands. I would say, oh, I, I consider myself wise, you know. He's, he's not really asking that question for that purpose. But he's, he's really asking to really get those whom he's asking the question to, to really consider who they are and, and, and what is in their hearts is what he's really uh, asking the question for. He, he, he begins to really paint out in these short five verses of what it looks like to be wise and what it looks like to be unwise. So it, it, it brings attention to the listener, to the student, to the teacher. It brings uh, an attention to those of us who claim to be saved. Who, who among you is, is wise? And, and who among you have understanding? It, it, it really causes us to look deep within ourselves to see who we are really. So he, he goes on to say, let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So he's saying, in other words, if you claim to be wise, it ought to show in your good behavior and in your deeds. He comes right off letting you know this is what a wise person would demonstrate. He would demonstrate good behavior and gent- in his gentle deeds. So he first refers to a, 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 believer, a believer that has a changed life. And he's referring to someone that exhibits good behavior. Someone that's not just stating who they are, but can actually exhibit living what he preaches or living the truth of God's word. One that is able to live and obey and walk in the truth of God's word. This is what James is saying. He says here that in the deeds, to, to walk in the deeds of his gentleness of wisdom, referring to the wisdom that is inspired by humility and meekness. A lot of times we know that people, a lot of people look at gentleness and meekness, they look at that as something weak or spineless. And they look at that as somebody that they feel like that if you have these qualities about you, People sometimes feel like they, they have the right to walk all over you, to say whatever they want to say to you, to continue to, to abuse and misuse you. Why? Because they see the gentleness and the meekness about you. But James here, when he talks about gentleness in this manner, he, he's closely referring to this as self-control. 
one that has self-control. And, and this can be very difficult for the believer. I know this is one area that I found and, and still wrestle with at times in, in, in my life uh, to balance that gentleness and meekness. And it's, it's, um, it's hard to balance that to where you're not being used, you know. And we, we got to understand that just because he's the, the spirit of the Lord has called us to be gentle and to be meek. Uh, he has not called us to be spineless or to be a rug that can be walked over. But to have balance and understand that we do not have to just take anything from people and just let people misuse us. That's not what James is referring to. But he's referring to gentleness in the aspect of the fruit of the spirit that he talks about even in Galatians 5 and 23, as far as relating it closely to self-control. It's a word used to describe a high-spirited horse brought under control. He hasn't lost his natural strength, but he carries that strength with gentleness and humility. This is the biblical way to understand wisdom in its gentleness. You know how a horse is very strong, but being able and wise to use that strength and to be able to tame it, to control it, to also be gentle. And this is the way James is putting this word gentle. So, a wise leader and mentor knows when to put on the brakes and he knows when to accelerate. So, we understand that this picture that James is painting, it makes you and I understand that we have to know with wisdom when someone is deserving of our meekness and gentleness and when someone is not deserving of it. What are you saying, preacher? Well, what I'm saying is is that a lot of times folk have motives. And you'll know this because they'll continue to return. You'll show mercy when when they ought to have be when they when they should be punished for actions. You and I, as the people of God, will show mercy to them. And they are granted another opportunity. And another opportunity. They are they're, they're granted by us that grace that that is so undeserving. But they, they, they continue to just take that and, and without a change of mind, without a change of heart, they, 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 they know where well, I can come to this one anytime I want to and I can do this or I can do that and I can come back to him or her and they're going to they gonna show mercy and meekness. There has to be, we have to be as wise servants able to be strong at the same time and to use that two-letter word, no, that N and the O. Be able to say enough is enough. 
with the gentle and meek spirit, helping them to understand the errors of their ways. This is wisdom. This is wisdom, what we see here. Look at verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. And I'm going to read, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil work. So what James began to do here, he begins to show the complete opposite of what looks like a wise person. He already introduced the idea of a wise person and that person we know is marked by a good way of life and good gentle works. But now James is shifting his gears and he spends some time describing by giving signs of an unwise person. And we need to understand what this person looks like. We need to know if this person is really us. Are we operating and thinking that we are wise and we are not? So James began to describe an unwise person. He starts off in verse 14 with the two heart level characteristics. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. He lets us see in these verses, he he mentions the ultimate results of such, such actions. He's referring to of jealousy and selfish ambition. He refers to these in verse 16. He lets us know that bitter jealousy likely refers to jealousy that harbors hard feelings. Jealousy refers to a person with with full hands who feels his or her own belongings or accomplishments are threatened by another's success. By another's success. And so this bitter jealousy is a person that is jealous and not satisfied with his own or her own life, not satisfied with their own success, but they constantly look on the life of someone else. And they want what they have, even to the point of wanting to be who that person is. And we have come in contact with people just like that. And and somewhere uh, in our past lifestyles, we may have even been this way ourselves, wishing that we was someone else, or wishing that we had uh, what someone else had. This is an example of someone that is unwise. Someone that is unwise. The heart of an unwise person carries also a push of himself or herself to want to be on top. Selfish ambition. Why is it that you want to be, why do you want to be elevated? Why do you want to be on the top? Why do you want to be in position? Why do you want to be in the spotlight? Selfish ambition. You got a motive 
to why you want to be there. But remember, the people of God, we are to be humble. And pride shouldn't be a part of our lives. It shouldn't be. And and we ought not to be surprised if we see jealousy and selfish ambition right here in our churches. Uh, you You see so much pride and so much jealousy right in the churches and in leadership. This is what we see. People not really worried about uh, the memberships, the souls of the membership, but they're more so worried about the way they look and how powerful they can be. They're not worried about the souls of the membership. They're in constant competition between this church and that church who can preach the best. And you have people that they take it so far to who has the best uh, praise team. I mean, it's, it's become ridiculous to where the church world has lost its power. It's, it's become ridiculous. Ridiculous. So if we look at verse 14, he shows us five characteristics about the flesh. Five characteristics of counterfeit wisdom are the unwise. Wisdom that is unwise, that is uh, driven by the flesh, is a direct opposite of what wisdom looks like. What verse 14 describes is what's really pushing in an individual's heart. And this is what unwise or what one would consider the wisdom of this world. It's carried by arrogance. It's carried by arrogance. How he said, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. So he said, if you consider yourself wise, arrogance should not be a part of your life. This Greek word here basically means to exalt over others. And this is, it's, it means it's like a, a prideness. One that justifies sinful actions. This goes contrary to what God and his word is saying. This goes contrary to the truth of his word. We are to have a humble spirit. And not a spirit that would degrade others, that would put others down to raise one up. And not to walk around with our heads stuck in the air like we so much. And we've gone to places like this to where folk will look down on you and me. Because they they full of arrogance. They're full of pride. And he points out lying against the truth. This is another characteristic that an unwise person would do. They will lie against the truth. Despite of what a lot of philosophers, theologians, and yes, preachers are saying today, truth remains an unmovable standard. It remains an unmovable standard. 
And we cannot go contrary to the truth. We understand that the wise, the unwise, however, changes their minds, changes the truth. The unwise changes the truth and the standards in which the word of God has set forth. And they places their own lifestyles and their own beliefs instead of following the truth. They'll try to twist the scriptures to make it sound like what they want it to sound. You can't, you can't twist the truth. The truth going to stand regardless of whatever else is trying to oppose. We, we're going to stand for the truth. And this is what I can appreciate about pursuing word ministries. We try our best to give nothing to you but the truth of his words. We, we try to eliminate opportunities that we give our own opinions, but we want to give you direct truth, truth of his word. We don't want to give you our opinion. We sometimes we may use life experiences, but we are we back up what we say by the teachings and the truth of his word. So the unwise is not going to do that. The unwise going to give you what you want to hear and the way they want to live to make it appear that they are so much. So the first two things, again, is arrogant, being arrogant, characteristics of someone that is unwise or that consider themselves wise but have earthly wisdom. Arrogance and one that is lying against the truth. The next one we'll see in verse 15 says that this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly. So that earthly is another characteristic that explains and shows what it looks like to be unwise. This word means exactly what it says of the earth. And James contrasted with wisdom from above. It's a purely horizontal perspective, worldly measures of the truth, and earthly standards of success, material motives, and temporal priorities. So what it looks like to be uh, unwise in its earthly sense is that this person measures the truth by the world's standards, by what it looks like to the world to be successful, what it looks like uh, uh, to the world in the world's eyes of what is what comes first in your life, to what how to uh, prioritize your life. God is not first in the picture of the earthly world. Huh? His word is not plotted in our eyes and on our eyelids and on on the lens of our eyeglasses like it is Elder Morrison. Elder Morrison, I, I would say, he has the scriptures uh, painted on the, on the lens of his glasses. Because when we receive the word of the Lord from Elder, and we, we all can agree to say that he must study uh, for hours to have come up and to have the revelation of the scriptures open to him in, in depth that it is. 
It takes hours, dedication. It takes preparation for someone to get there. Uh, Pastor Marson, I am not there yet, but I'm striving to get there. But what I do right now is I just use what is given to me, the ears. I use the ears and I use my eyesight and I use my heart. When the word of God is being taught by our elder and our teacher at Pursuing Word Ministries, we have such an opportunity to increase in wisdom and knowledge of his word. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes we just have to pause for a righteous cause and thank God for the gifts that he has sent to the gifts that he has given to our churches. But this earthly way looks temporal. Huh? It looks materialistic. This earthly way uh, makes wisdom, uh, earthly wisdom looks like how big of a house do you have? Um, how much money do you have in the bank? Instead of seeking the face of God when you wake up, look at the stock market and see how the stocks have risen or dropped. This is earthly success. This is what the unwise uh one of the characteristics looks like this is earthly. Hmm? So now let's look on Father, on verse 15. What does it say? What does it say? It's a not only earthly, but natural. What do you mean natural? This is the fourth characteristic of the unwise. And it literally means soulish. Soulish. It's related to our psyche. This applies to the self, the inner human motives. The source of this wisdom is our own thoughts, our attitudes, our interests, uh, our pursuits, and not the Spirit's wisdom from above. This natural way is saying whatever the flesh wants is what the flesh gets. This is what the natural way James is talking about. This is what it's saying. What, what do I feel? I want what's good and that's natural. What I feel, it, it's got to feel good. The way the attitudes are carried on, uh, our natural way of responding. This is what an unwise person look like. It won't treat the men and women of God with wisdom. It won't treat the men of God with patience and, and it won't come across with a, with a grace and with mercy. But what it does, it, it'll bring about hostility. It'll bring about selfishness. It'll bring about pride. This is not the way that the wise should look. Not only that, verse 15 lets us know that it's also demonic. Demonic is exactly what it has to say. It is demonic. This doesn't necessarily mean their worldly wisdom comes straight from demonic beings. Now listen, though in some cases that may be so, we know that we have demonic spirits all around in our world, in the atmosphere. And if there's any opening or if there's any invite 
for the enemy to come, he will come, that demonic demon will do so. But this word demonic emphasizes it's on the wisdom that reflects the philosophy or pattern of thinking so contrary to God's truth that Satan himself could endorse it. In other words, this is simply saying that it goes about your, what your own rationalization or your own uh, way of thinking. Uh, it, it, it will try to twist the truth. This is this demonic way. It'll, 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 it'll have a pattern in our life that will go against what the scripture said. It will, it will, it was, it's marked by our jealousy. It's marked by our selfish, selfish ambition. It's, it's, it's marked by dishonesty. Um, we, we see here that James shows us this unwise way and this description he shows that there is also one that chooses to be led by demonic forces. One that chooses to be led by demonic forces. And, and first we, we, we must see that how, how earthly and natural things run together. It's, it's, it's natural for the flesh to want it his or her way. That's natural. It's natural natural if someone makes you upset for you to get upset back with them. It's natural if somebody punch you in your face for you to react and punch them back. That's natural. Um, so, so he's showing all the things that comes with the earthly and the natural realms. But even with that being said, when we open those doors of... Uh, reacting in an unwise way this opens the door to demonic influence and when we are led by demonic influence it takes us in areas where we should not go you know how the scriptures say anger but sin not see see it's natural to be angry but it's unnatural to kill you know these these leads to to demonic things are things that go strictly against the word of God strictly against the word of God so this is what James is saying he says all these ways these these five characteristics will show what it looks like to be unwise and that will look like you and me being very arrogant it will look like you and I lying against the truth, understanding the truth at one point, but no, then we'll say in another breath, ah, uh, nah, that doesn't mean this, but it actually means this. Lying against the truth. Being unwise, all, all, it looks like being earthly and natural. It looks like being led by demonic forces. A pattern of what the truth of the enemy looks like versus the truth of God. This is what James is trying to spell out. Now, if we look at verse 17, it says, but the wisdom from above is first pure. So James began now, now that he has explained what it looks like to be unwise. So even after asking the question, is there anyone that is 
wise or that has understanding. So he said, in other words, before you answer that question, consider what it looks like to be unwise. So he comes back now in verse 17 and he's saying, now I'm going to show you what it looks like to have wisdom from above. This type of wisdom you do not learn in your uh, the book of the theologians. You did not. You do not learn this wisdom in our colleges, in our schools. This wisdom it cannot be obtained by earthly or natural or demonic things. Uh uh-uh. uh. This wisdom looks totally different. This wisdom is from above. What do you mean? I'm talking about, you know, how we talked about being seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. When we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, this is how we can begin to obtain ah, the wisdom from above. Glory be to God. And he says, first, he's talking about it is pure. This is what it looks like. It's, it looks very pure, he said. Let's look at the word of the Lord. He said the word first means more than just merely first in the list. But it indicates first in order of importance. In the order of importance, God-given wisdom produces purity of internal motives as well as our external motives. This kind of lifestyles has a built-in promise, as Jesus said also in Matthew chapter 5 and 8, when he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So he's saying this, this is very important to those that are wise or to the believer. Why is it very important? Because it tackles our motives from the inside and on the outside. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why do we assist in ministry? Is it, is it for our selfish ambition? Is it, is it to make us look good? Do we just want to gain wealth? This is what he said. It first has to be pure. You got to be pure in heart. You know how it is. You know how it is when we have young babies, how they come into this world so innocent and they're so pure in heart, huh? And, and, and they are so dependent on the care of their parents. They're pure. This is what this looks like. This says uh, the wise person is first and then first in order of importance. You, you must have, your motives must be right. You must, be, you must want to do this and live this life because you love God and God alone. You must, it must be so pure that you want to live this life uh, not for, for popularity. But in fact, popularity is not what we seek. But we seek after the hearts of men and women to get to know who Christ is. And, and where, what's the motives of men and women of God? So the lifestyle, our lifestyle is not on earthly motives, but they are pure. In other words, whatever the Lord would have me to do in this world, this is what I want to do. And you'll often find out that oftentimes it don't come with being popular. It don't come with a stash 
with, with a bank full of stash, oftentimes we suffer and we go through. But a wise person is willing to do that. Why? Because first, they are marked by purity. Glory be to God. They are first marked by purity. Purity of thought and deeds helps us see God working in every circumstance of our lives. Then James said, gentle, first peaceable, first pure. Then he says, peaceable. Peaceable is a direct opposite of bitter jealousy. It's a direct opposite of selfish ambition. That's what the unwise looks like, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. But God-given wisdom produces peace of peaceful relationships. It is natural tendency to be argumentative, quarrelsome, belligerent, and quick-tempered. But God's supernatural life within us guards against those type of practices. But it seeks peace. And just like Matthew 5 and 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. These people, we look to find peace with all men. We, we, we don't want to come in a argumentative way but but if that happens and if and if that is the atmosphere of where we are we that are wise will seek what will cause this atmosphere to become in peace to be peaceable we are promised that we will see God if we carry this wise way of peace in our lives, throughout our lives, people should see it at, on our jobs that we are men and women of peace. Instead of running into an argument, we 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 try to veer away from that. Okay, where where can we meet peace? We can meet peace, but we're gonna still stand on the truth. But let's do it without an argumentative spirit. Hmm? Peace. Then he goes on to gentleness. Gentle. It's the third characteristic of a wise person. This is, this is uh, characterized by humility, one that is humble, one that is moderate, yielding. It describes a person who surrenders his rights for a higher ideal. Then this is very difficult for most people. Because if you are carried by selfish ambition, there's no way you will carry this gentleness. Because gentleness, this gentleness here is going to sometimes take the low seat. Why? For, for a higher idea. What higher idea? Because seated in heavenly places. I believe it was Michelle Obama, Michelle Obama that says, when they strike low, we go high. Just because an individual is throwing blows and they're being, they're, they're, they're going low, it doesn't mean that we have to do the same thing. But, but what we do, we go high. Instead of treating them with 
uh, disrespect, we treat them with honor and respect. This is what this is saying. And the next one it says is, is to be reasonable, persuadable, to be well. It, it, when the Spirit of God captures the heart, this is what it does. It's all is well. It, it takes away all of the stubbornness. We're able to balance reasonable and gentleness. We're able to do so. And we're giving, even, even, even where it says he's, he's, he's merciful, it's also merciful, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Merciful is a trait that exhibits wisdom from above. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it's in order for you not to be punished, even though you need to be punished, wise, a wise person will show you what it looks like instead of, instead of punishing you, they're going to show mercy unto you. The world doesn't look like this. To be bountiful, to be bountiful, to show great grace, to be unwavering, you, you are unwavering and without hypocrisy. Huh? You are not a double-minded man. You're not unstable in all your ways. You don't have two faces. You don't contradict yourself one day and you look like another way. This is what that looks like. Unwavering. Steadfastness to, to what is real. Steadfastness to the truth. That kind of balance takes true wisdom. And that only comes from above. He also talks about how to be sincere and not hypocritical. In other words, what you see is what you get. I'm not going to be two faces. I'm not going to be this way one day and this way another day. When you see me, you should see me the same way. Not having two faces, not playing a role of an actor or anything like that. But I'm going to be stable. I'm not going to be shifty or full of instability or unpredictable. Are filled of hypocrisy, but the believers are endowed with the spirit of wisdom who will live life of sincerity all the time. What you see is what you get. And this will show in a wise person. There's no disorder, there's no evilness, but you will see the fruit of the spirit. And I'm going to end with this application from Chuck Swindoll. And I want you to consider yourself while I read this. And it's called Trapped Between Two Portraits. Imagine yourself sitting in the center of a small art gallery. That brightly lit room appears empty except for two contrasting portraits on the opposite walls. On the one side hangs the portrait of an arrogant, worldly, devilish fellow, featured on a dark backdrop that stirs emotions from anger and envy. A scraggly beard and mustang veil his features, and a large hat casts a shadow over his shifty eyes. He leaves chaos and destruction in his wake as he advances unflinching toward the pursuit of his goals, driven by the jealousy and ambition. The caption beneath the portrait reads, The Unwise Painted by Self. Now, the portrait on facing wall couldn't 
be more different on the other wall. That man sports a gentle demeanor, his posture relaxed, and his expression serene. His eyes feel inviting, and his hands appear ready for service. Behind him, people follow, eager to hear his words and mimic his actions. Children celebrate his arrival, delighted to see what gifts he might bring. Clearly respected, he shows no signs of pride, and in his path are joy, peace, and prosperity. Below this portrait, the caption says, The wise painted by the Spirit of God. Glory. In light of two contrasting pictures of the wise and the unwise in James 13 through 18, with which portrait do you align? Who do you align yourself with? Do you struggle with jealousy of other success? Is your life motivated by personal pursuits at the cost of peace? Have these inward feelings and outward actions affected those around you? Consider this, saints. Do disorder and pettiness mark your life? Do you pursue the things of the world rather than the things of God? Or is your life characterized by gentleness and humility? Do people know you as a person of mercy, authenticity, authenticity and peace? Do you act the same way at home as you do at work or at church or in public? I may say that again. Do you act the same way at work, at home, at church or in public? Do you build others up? Do you rejoice at their success and place the needs of the interests of others ahead of your own? Do you leave harmony and joy in your wake? As we, including me, as we seriously think through these questions, we must avoid answering the way you wish things were, but answer the way things really are. Try to defend your answers with actual evidence from examples that come to mind. Ask yourself, brothers and sisters, whether your closest family members or friends would answer these questions about you in the same way. After you identified with either portrait of the wise and the unwise, think through your response. For the wise respond to God with thanksgiving, praising him for molding you through the unfolding years of your life. You're not wise by your own making, but by the inner working of God's spirit. For the unwise ask God for wisdom. Then determine which character problems you need to address, specifically by God's help. Do you need to mend a particular relationship? If so, do it. Need to forsake a certain selfish pursuit? then stop it. Need to start a neglected spiritual exercise like prayer, worship, or scripture reading? Well, it's time to get started. It's never too late to start, my friend. It's never too late to start doing things right. 
So don't let the effects of folly spiral out of control. Allow God to begin repainting your portrait with life-transforming colors. You'll begin to reflect not your own frail characters, but the character of his son. With that being said, men and women of God, let's reflect being a wise man or woman, having received wisdom from above. May God bless you until we meet again.